on, so sorry. in other words, you're you're in the laboratory telling us definitively that prayer for the government works. I would funny how that works. Yeah, yeah. just like like the Bible says. The Bible it, says it. It actually <laughs> works. But it but it actually works. Yeah. Welcome everyone to episode one of the Lead Forward podcast. This is your host Dave Funk. And I'm very excited to get started with our first ever episode. We're starting with a bang with an amazing Skype interview that I had with Tim Schindel. Tim is the founder of Leading Influence, uh, which provides chaplaincy services to the legislatures across Canada. It's growing and doing incredible things with uh, serving our politicians. And I'll let Tim tell you all about it in the interview. You know, he starts... Uh, a little bit with his personal story of how God led him into this ministry and provided and gave him the favor to gain access uh, to our politicians. But also he has some great leadership insights that he's developed and learned along the way. But as we get into the interview, I begin asking him some direct questions about how he deals with all the politics and how he deals with stuff he disagrees with and how he supports members on both sides of the floor, but also uh, how, how do pastors deal with this stuff? It's not a secret that we live in some seriously challenging political times. And so I'm thinking even for myself as a pastor, my congregation is looking to me uh, for thoughts, for commentary. How am I supposed to address the big po- political issues of our day to our people? And uh, so Tim gives some incredible insights and answers that I know will help a lot of people. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Tim Schindel of Leading Influence. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so I'm here with Tim Schindel, and uh, we're just going to have a talk about what you're doing and a little bit about uh, the landscape of the political world throughout Canada and how you're trying to serve leaders. So Tim, we've known each other for a while. Uh, we've known each other for a long while, yeah. Mr. David. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. It was how long ago? 25 years ago that you worked for my dad? Uh, I worked with your dad 89 to 94. Okay. And uh, my first memory of you would be playing hockey when your parents were away and we stayed at your mom and dad's house and uh, you were the goalie in front of the stove in the kitchen. So <laughs> those would be my first memories. But those are good, uh, times. It, it, it good Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we're just so excited for you and to see where God is taking you and how he's using you in, in some really, really cool ways. And now you're a podcaster. Hey, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but you went on from, from working with my dad. That was basically the basement of your career. And you went on to uh, lead pastor in Kamloops. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, from, there, from there, from yeah, there, God led you there. to uh, a newer vision. He did. He led me out of um, normal, traditional pastoral work into marketplace chaplaincy. Right. Wow. Tell us kind of how that transition happened, how God spoke to you and, and uh, how, how, the, how he led you to that. Well, it's a, it's a good question and, and uh, quite a process. I really went to Kamloops just trying to be a good pastor and to, to do a good job. And that was, you know, I, I was so fortunate to work with your dad and he invested a lot in me. I was able to come away with some really great ideas and principles and practices. And, and so I put a lot of that stuff into the church and God mm-hmm. blessed and the church went well. But um, some, somewhere along the way, I, I got an invitation to uh, host um, 
uh, a simulcast with, with John Maxwell. Was, back then it was called the Maximum Impact Simulcast. And okay. it's since morphed into LeaderCast, which Andy Stanley is a big part of. And um, it, the board didn't really want to do it, sold tickets, it went off really well. And um, coming out of that, I got an invitation to sit on the on the Chamber of Commerce board. I'm still pastoring, and the Chamber right. stuff is just community involvement and it's all volunteer, and so I, you know, I did my first year just as a board member and kind of learning the ropes. But because my schedule was flexible, because I'm not afraid of a microphone, yeah. because you know those kinds of things, I opportunities open up to me. And and uh, about a year later, they invited me to sit on the executive, and and that put me in a whole other space because we're a very active chamber, and mm-hmm. uh, you know quite motivated and I don't want to say that we wanted a high profile we just had a high profile and we did a lot of things well and uh, that put me in touch with a lot of politicians and in the beginning it was like you're a pastor and what are you doing here that's kind of weird right and as time went on it was more like you're a pastor and could I talk to you later and hmm. you know oh, Barb and I were out for dinner tonight and uh, we were talking about this a little bit about how just, you know, reflecting on how God led us here. And I think one of the big things that happened was I didn't really realize at the time that God was leading me to something else. You know, I, I, I was just loving the doors that were opening, but not kind of getting that maybe I was heading on a journey. Right. And so so suddenly I, I have open doors into the lives of leaders and, and who are calling with personal issues and crises and, and that kind of a thing. So that, that was, I got, I was really excited about that. And, you know, maybe to my shame, to some extent, I was more excited about that than I was about what was going on. in the <laughs> right. But, but uh, I think what's neat about this part of the story in itself is just, you had an opportunity to be a part of your community yeah. and you just allowed God to open those doors and you walked through them. And then he began to open opportunities to actually serve and bless and be a part of people's lives. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and you know what? It was it is amazing and it was such an amazing part of my life. And honestly, had those things not happened, I wouldn't be doing, you know, what yeah. what I'm what I'm, you know, privileged to do today. And yeah. and so so that's kind of all happening in one part of my life and and then in the in another part of my life, it would have been um I just got to think back here a little bit. Summer of 2000, spring of 2004. I um I just got locked on the character of Joseph in, in my devotions. And um, I'm a Sunday school kid, so those stories aren't new to me in any way. But I just couldn't get enough yeah. of Joseph. And and so, you know, I read it once and twice and three times. And, you know, I was just kind of doing a systematic reading. And I, I just couldn't get ahead in my Old Testament stuff because I was locked on Joseph. And mm-hmm. and honestly, after about four or five times, I, I finally figured out that maybe God was speaking to me. And, <laughs> right. and so, you know, not always a quick study, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I was like, God, what? And I, I just really felt God direct me to, to study Joseph's peers in the scripture. And so, again, because, I, you know, I'm familiar, I knew that then I was looking at people like Esther and Nehemiah. And Daniel, for sure, and you know others along the way as well. But those in particular, and so I just began to to make notes and put all this stuff on yellow pad and and that kind of a thing, and and um, just kind of just kept it going. And and at some point along the way, it was an August afternoon, and I, my papers spread out everywhere, and it's like, God, what is it? Like, what's the one thing that these people have in common. What's the right. one thing? And and kind of just distilled it all down. That was my my big search, you know. Yeah. And and you know, and it was like the one thing that all these people had in common 
is that God placed them in the lives of leaders and mm. he used them to influence the destiny of nations. Wow. And, and when that penny dropped for me, I will never forget this moment. I leaned back on my chair and said, God, that's amazing. Wow. Who does that today? Yeah. And as soon as I said it, I knew my whole world had changed. I, but there were more than once I tried to pull all those words back and just kind of go back to what I was doing. But but I knew it was over. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to start. I, I, I didn't know who was going to pay for it. I just – I had no clue. But I knew that something had changed in me. And, and so I really tried – in a lot of ways, I really tried to kind of bottle all of that up and just kind of carry on, you know. Right. But but I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. And by um, – by the fall of 2005, I was quite ready to uh, – let's put it this way, that, that Jesus made obedience very attractive <laughs> at that point, by that point. And so – so, unattractive. Exactly. Yeah. It was kind of – I was enjoying my own little fish ride with, yes. you know, Jonah. But um, – but, and, and I, th- I just think that that's one of the things – that's one of the ways that God works. It's, yeah. it's not so much that I'm, I'm going to make you do right. what I want you to do as much as it is – I have such joy and fulfillment and satisfaction mm. for you in this. Right. But if I need to make you dissatisfied, and sometimes I need to make you dissatisfied in something else, so that you'll move to what I'm calling you to do. And right. so, so in, in 2000, fall 2005, we left the church, and I, you know, but I had nothing set up because mm. you know I was trying to avoid this. But uh, so we had to do a society and get a charitable number and all those other things, and that just took time. And so. Um, you know, I went to work um, selling software to local governments, but with this dream in my heart that this is what I wanted to do. And so yeah. in 2007, I, I had raised what I thought was an astronomical amount of monthly support at a whole $2,000 right. a month. And we sold our house and moved to Victoria and rented a place downtown and, you know, used some of the money that we, we had off the house to supplement our income and to be able to live for that first year while we raised some money and kind of yeah. got our feet underneath us. And, you know, God... God has always been faithful. God has always made a way. And and it has been a really, really incredible journey of just watching him open doors yeah. and and establish us. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is we're, we're talking in, um, you know, second week of February and on Tuesday, the uh, BC legislature resumes February 14th. Okay. And, um, and it was 10 years ago on the second Tuesday in February that I went to the BC legislature for the first time in this capacity, just really expecting I was going to hear a speech and, right. you know, and just kind of figure out the culture and kind of learn and observe. And it was that, that was the day that I got called out of the gallery to open the session in prayer. And like, I've been here for 10 years. Those things don't just happen. Only Jesus does that kind of <laughs> stuff. And, uh, it was a remarkable, remarkable day. And, uh, so, so what you were, were led to is, you know, what, what, what's kind of come out of this is leading influence ministries, right? That's, <laughs> that's what we're, we're calling it here. And, and it's basically a, a chaplaincy for politicians, the nation's leaders, right? It is a chaplaincy for politicians. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. We uh, I, I have been working in Toronto. Most of my work has been in BC. But, and this last year, in, t- in 2016, we, our board decided that we would expand to Ontario and, and that um, I would be the guy who would start it and then look for a replacement okay. or someone to succeed me. And so... Um, my first week in Toronto, I, I get invited to this thing called Plowing Match, which is um, an agricultural fair, and all of the politicians go out. So I got invited to go along. I've got one Christian contact in the whole place. Yeah. He invites me along. And so we're driving down the 401. There's me and him and two guys in the back seat. One of the guys in the back seat 
is um, he's pretty he's a passionate guy and and uh, he's really intense and and um, he's a politician not a Sunday school teacher his favorite <laughs> word starts with F and he uses it like punctuation so so uh, you know it goes like this we're driving down the road and he sees something that that reminds him of a political debacle and in, in his mind and and so he just went off it's like hit play and it's F and F and F and F and F and, F and, F and, F and, and so can until he runs out of steam and, and we're rolling down the highway and he, he turns to me and he goes so Tim, what's your gig anyway? And I thought, well, here's the moment, right? I just have to go through this door. And yeah. so I called him by name and I said, listen, um, I, I lead an organization that provides chaplaincy services to politicians all across Canada. And we do that because we believe that leaders who are well supported spiritually and emotionally mm. provide better governance than those who aren't. Wow. Pause. Yes. That's effing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Now he and I have become very good friends since then, and uh, he doesn't. He's not. He's not quite as colorful in his language as he was when we started. Right. So I count that up to making progress. But um, you know, uh, we went for a walk that night, and uh, he said, "So tell me again what you do." So I, you know, walked him through it again, and I, I just said, like, here, you know, for example, you know, if if things go sideways for you at home. You're not making good decisions here. You're not right. making good decisions in, in your work at all. And, you know, and if, if you don't have somebody to talk to, it takes a long time for you to recover or at least get yourself out of the weeds. And, and so um, he says, you know, let me tell you, I, um, I was an altar boy till I was 17. This guy's so close to the kingdom. Right. He doesn't know it, but he's so close <laughs> to the kingdom. I was an altar boy till I was 17. I, I was schooled by Jesuits. And um, I just I love what God is doing in his life. I love that, that he was one of the first people that God brought into my life there. And I just have the opportunity wow. to minister to him and track along. And, yeah. and so anyway, so that's what we do and yeah. uh, what it's like. That's incredible. So what sorts of things have you seen happen? I mean, I imagine, you know, you said it was, you know, back some one February day, you showed up, not sure how it was going to go, but you got called up to pray in front of the session. And um, but how have, how have most of the politicians responded to you? I mean, other than saying that's effing awesome, is there, you know, is there, are there bad reactions? Uh, you know, actually, um, this is a remarkable thing to me. We make these assumptions that, you know, that, that government is evil right. and that they're against God and they're against Christians. And yet I have, my experience has been this, that, that I, we have, overwhelming success acceptance with right. the people that, that we work with. I have, you know, I mean, there are people who, who, for lack of a better expression, don't take the bait, right? They don't mm -hmm. respond and I can't make them respond. Right. Um, you know, or they, you know, they're, they're always busy when we have functions or whatever the case might be, sure. right? Th those things, those things happen. But in terms of percentages, you know, like, let's say that, you know, maybe on a very good day in British Columbia, 5%, of the, of the general population would identify as Christian. Right. You know? um, our numbers in BC right now, prior to the election, are somewhere between 13 and 15 believers who are, who are BC MLAs, some of them in wow. cabinet, some of them on the opposite side, right? So, yeah. so in, in our case, that's about, we have 85 members, so that's about one in 14, one in 15. Wow. So, so I mean, it's a better represented in government than in the regular population. Exactly. Wow. Right. And, and we find that we found that in BC, we found that in Alberta. I mean, Alberta and Saskatchewan wouldn't necessarily be a surprise. You would kind right. of expect that. Right. Um, 
as I'm doing some digging in Ontario, I'm finding that it's about the same there. Hmm. And so it's, you know, it's probably about a 15 to 18%, depending on, on where you go, uh, which, which to me is, that has been a really big surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I think that, that makes us unique is that in the political world, people either, they're either angry at you or they want something from you. Right. And right. I mean, that's just that's the nature of politics. And we show up in their world and we want we're not angry at them. Right. We're cheering for them. Doesn't yeah. matter where you sit. We're cheering for you. And and we want nothing from you. Right. And and at first it was like, well, that's just kind of weird. Like sooner or later, you're going to you know, you're going to ask You know, right. sooner or later. The ask is going to come. But in 10 years, we've not asked for anything right. anywhere. Right. And we just watched God continue. I think believe because of that, give us favor. So can, I would love to just go back to that statement because I think that doesn't just apply to going into legislature, but the church in the world should not go out being angry at anybody or wanting anything from anybody, but just cheering for people, loving people, serving people. And I think you've hit the nail on the head as far as, I mean, if you want to call it a strategy. I mean, is there more of a strategy than that? No, the strategy is pretty much just um, show up, <laughs> right. cheer for people, and yeah. watch. But, and, but really, honestly, I, you know, that's that's pretty much it, right? Show up, cheer for people, and watch God open doors. Because mm. how do you how do you combat kindness, right? right? I can't be mad. I can't be mean to the guy right. who's standing outside every day saying nice things to me. <laughs> right? Sooner or later, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a cup of coffee with him. Yeah. I, you know. It, it's kind of funny, but you know, it was a few years ago now. It was right before the last election. I went out for a coffee with a guy who I we had become friends over. You know, I guess it would have been eight years, and um, we, we became friends. And um, and he said to me at his last day in the house, we had breakfast together, and he leans forward. He goes, "Tim, I don't know how you do it. None of us know how you do it. You just showed up here." And now you're a part of all of our lives, and we're really happy about that. We don't know how it happened, but we're glad that you're here. And it's like, yay, God, you know. Yeah. And um, and it's you know, but it's but you're absolutely right. You know, showing up angry doesn't really solve anything, right? right? Or being reactionary doesn't really solve anything. I know it sells sometimes in the church, but it makes right. no sense in the big picture. Right. So, what kind of impact are you hoping to have in reaching politicians? Like, why should people value this? Well. If you can reach leaders, you can shape a nation, mm. right? Fundamentally, if, if, if leaders, if leaders, if, if, the, if we can see Jesus do a work of grace in the hearts and lives of leaders, right? Then, then as his kingdom is established in their lives, that is, that expresses itself in policy that expresses itself in conduct that expresses itself at multiple levels. Right. And, and, and we, and, 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 we don't have to lobby to see that happen. We just mm. have to love people right. to see that happen. And, I, and, you know, I mean, like I get to do this in legislatures, but I think you could do this in city hall. I think you could do this in school boards. I think you could do this in chambers of commerce. I think you could do this anywhere, right? right? Because it's just loving leaders and, wow. and, and investing and sowing into leaders, right? And, and we know as we look at the scriptures, the Old Testament is just full of God interacting with leaders, mm. Right. On yeah. behalf of his people. And yeah. so. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the strategy. Well, I think, you know, as you read the Bible with the filter of what God says about our leaders, both Christian and non-Christian, I mean, you read the book of Romans and Paul is talking about submitting to governing authorities. And, you know, he's not talking about a, a Christian nation. He's talking uh, about no. Rome. He's talking about Caesar. Yeah. And, you know, what does that mean to you as far as, you know, how believers should interact with 
and respond to their government? Yeah, good, good question. I'll, um, here, here's my confession, because I, I learned a lesson this fall. And so when you're from B.C., and um, when you're from B.C., it's easy to be smug in Ontario, <laughs> at, 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 especially at a political level, because, right. you know, like the government, not like the government. Right. You know, we push that stuff aside. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the B.C. government's probably going to announce a two and a half or three billion dollar surplus in the next couple of weeks here. Right. right? Ontario is three hundred and forty billion dollars in debt. They have the largest wow. non-sovereign debt in the world. And so, I mean, that's, that's a huge problem. Hmm. And, and, yeah. um, and again, you know, no judgment, but here's, here's what happened to me. I'm sitting in the gallery one day and I'm looking down at, at the premier of Ontario and, um, and I'm just, you know, she's answering a question or whatever. And I, I, I said, this is just a gong show, right? Kind of, I, I'm praying, Oh God, what a gong show this is. And, and the Lord rebuked me. And, uh, and it was like, stop saying that. Hmm. It was like, well, it is a gong show. I'm just being prophetic and declaring <laughs> the truth. And, and it was Thus like, no, the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. This is a gong show. But, but it was like, no, you have to stop saying that. And, and, and you need to speak instead blessing yeah. and destiny and purpose. Wow. And you need to pray for the premier. And, um, and I mean, I know all those things. It's not like I need to be told that, but right. apparently yeah. I need to be told that. And, uh, but it was a real tipping point for me. And so I, I sit on, you know, one day I sit behind the government, one day I sit facing the government. And, and so I just made it a practice every day that I'm there. Yeah. I, I, I make a point to pray for her. And, um, you know, it, it's easy. It, it's easy to hate politicians. Mm. Right. I mean, there's, you know, it, you can hate, hate, poli- hating politicians and hating, you know, sports officials like not, those <laughs> things are never difficult. Right. But, but it's like none of that wins us anything. Right. None of that wins us anything. And, and we, um, I, I, I had this aha moment a number of years ago that, that we are the only people on the planet who have, who have the spiritual authority, the anointing, the calling, and the direction to pray for those who govern over us. Wow. We're the only people on the planet. Yeah. Like, like, you know, the lobbyists can do all, and we let them, we let them do all of their stuff, and we sit on the sidelines and we complain, and yet we're tapped in to someone who is infinitely more powerful than the most influential lobby group on the planet. And we're worried about the power of the lobby group instead of tapping Hmm. into the power that we have access to. That's a good word. Yeah. Like when, when we, um, when we began in BC and we're we're coming up to an election, so I'm going to pitch a couple of things here along the way, (laughs) but don't mind me as I do that. But, but when, when I started here in BC, we had seven Christian MLAs. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or in cabinet, but but seven who identified as Christian. For now, two elections, we made a point through our pre BC campaign of of praying, fundamentally this prayer: God, give us men and women through whom you would work. Mm, mm accomplish your plans and purposes for our province. So we're not saying that they're liberal. We're not saying that they're NDP. We're not saying that they're green. We're not saying that they're independent. We're just saying, God, choose men and women through whom you can work. The interesting thing is this, is that we have grown in every election that we have done that. We have added more members, more Christian members. And, and I would say, with no disrespect to people who were there before, we have added people of greater spiritual maturity and capacity 
than we yeah. had previously. We had people previously, but but um, I mean today, one of the people that that we pray with on a you know on a on a weekly basis who in our small gathering, he's, he's got his um, he's got his PhD in theology from either Cambridge or um, or Oxford. I mean, you know, so yeah. so we don't have we don't have deep theological conversations at prayer time because <laughs> I'd be completely outclassed. But but it's just some, you know, but I mean that's the yeah. kind of people yeah. that God has has brought in. And so today we're double what we had in two thousand seven. Wow. And so, so you know, we got go on. So sorry. in other words, you're you're in the laboratory telling us definitively that prayer for the government works. I would funny how that works. Yeah, yes. just like like the Bible says. The Bible it says it. It actually works. <laughs> but it but it actually works. Yeah. And I mean, like like some of the stuff that, that that we have seen happen in behind the scenes, I can't talk about because sure. I would be, I would betray confidences. Yeah. But but let me give you a for example. Um, this past spring, or sorry, this past yeah, uh, spring of twenty sixteen, the. Um, the BC legislature debated the right to die legislation. Right. And so there's a process that legislation goes through. So it starts at committee and then it's um, at at committee stage and then it's recommended to the the committee of the whole. And then it goes for first reading and, you know, into the house and that kind of a thing. And and so when, when it's actually voted on. So in, you know, it's particularly in a majority government situation when, when the bill hits the floor, everything is just, it's just process. The bill's not going to change and the bill right. is going to pass, right? And so, so um, but, but we saw this very interesting thing happen where, where the bulk of the members on the committee who were making recommendations to the legislation, I think there were seven on the committee, five of them were our people. Five of them were believers, both okay. sides of the house. Yeah. And and it was fascinating. I mean, on the one hand, um, to watch these people agonize right. over you know what is literally a life and death situation, and you know, kind of go from I'm going to fall on my political sword and right. vote against this to um, yeah, I've got to find a, like it's like Wilberforce. We've got to find a way through this, and um, and they did. I mean, it wasn't easy. It wasn't painful. It is like or it was painful. They didn't get kind of. It's not like they were able to block it, right? But today, BC's right to die legislation is more conservative mm. and has more safeguards built into it than anywhere else in the country. In and, a province that's typically more liberal than any other place in a in the province country. that is typically more liberal, right. and so you know, I, and I, I realize that that you know among the listeners there'll be people who want to split hairs and right. all of that other stuff on this, but it's like in the grand scheme, in the grand scheme. We have to understand that this is a very complex situation in a very complex environment, and the best that we can do is to support our brothers and sisters right. who are powered with the with the opportunity to speak to it and have influence on it. Right, right. I think you know that's a lot of what Jesus talked about of being salt of the earth. You know, preserving yeah. the earth and you know doing what you can to preserve the moral, spiritual, all that uh, exactly that God puts in the world. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's been, you know, I mean, there's days that I, I look at what I do and just go like, God, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Just to to be a part of this. I'll, I'll give you another example. Great. I um, um, it was, was in, in the fall in Ontario, there was um, a, a bill um, 
BC actually has has a similar bill that they passed a number of years ago. They updated their Family Law Act or, or, or their yeah Family Law Act, I think it is. Okay. And um, and in that act, with you know now because we live in a world where gay marriage is is legal. Mm-hmm. You have to adjust legislation to reflect those realities, right. and and so the way they did it in Ontario was they limited references to mother and father, and instead replaced it with birth parent mm. and parent. Okay. Okay. So it, it's legislation, right? I mean, I you know sort of the, those who line up with the sky is falling see it as the end of the world. To me, it's like they're just aligning legislation with the reality that we currently have. Right. Okay. Right. But, but, but so, so, but in Ontario, you have a very strong social conservative slice of the society or, or the culture, pretty much anything outside the GTA right. and is, you know, would be identified as social conservatives. And so, um, um, or the bulk would be certainly social conservatives. So I have a friend, a, a guy there that I'm working with, who wants to vote against the bill. Mm. And um, he asked his leader if they, I mean, the bill's going to pass. The bill's certainly going to pass. And so he just asks his leader if they would give him permission to have a free vote. So those social conservatives within their caucus would be able to represent their their constituents who were right. calling for them to act and vote against the bill. His leader, his leader um, declined that that vote. So his only option, his only option, was to absent himself mm. when the vote was being had. It was very interesting to sit in the gallery. There's 105 members in the Ontario Legislature. I think um, I think 75 people voted in favor of it. So they passed it off as a unanimous bill, but 30 people were were out of the building. Oh wow. Yeah. When it happened. So you know, right, that, that basically you've got, you know, almost a full third yeah. of the members who don't want to vote for this, but don't have any other choice. Right. After the vote was over, I, you know, my, my buddy waved at me. So after the vote was over, I came to his office, went up to his office and he started sharing emails with me and voicemails with me and texts with me from Christians yeah. who were who were anything but Christian in their responses to him and anything but Christian in their threats as to how they were going to vote next time and what they were going to do and, and how, you know, they were no longer supporting him, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, here's this guy who loves Jesus and believes that he's called there to serve. He can't do what his constituents want him to do. And, and they don't want to hear that I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Wow. It's great to have that inside perspective because, you know, if you just hear unanimous, you think your guy voted against what, you know, he promised he would do. And but it's so, so great to hear from from the insider. You know, I want to dig in a little bit just to, you know, as an insider who has a little bit of perspective and and a little bit of understanding of the touchy issues and how Christians and non-Christians are responding Mm -hmm. to things. You know, we are in uh, a politically tumultuous time you know as as we record this (laughs) as we record this we're i think two weeks into a trump presidency and i think most if not all of our listeners at this point will be canadians but that doesn't mean we're not impacted and at least um you know interested observers 
how do we engage with political issues? You know, as a pastor myself, I don't know, what do I say to my congregation when a Trump comes into a presidency or even when, you know, our conservatives get defeated in the the most recent federal election and we have someone on the opposite spectrum of Trump, you know, and (laughs) we kind of see these quote unquote evils on both sides. What, how do we respond? Um, well, I, I've learned this by painful experience. Sure. First of all, you first of all don't respond on Facebook. That's uh, <laughs> a word to the wise, that. right? Don't don't go on Twitter and don't go on Facebook. <laughs> you know that's a really good idea. Um, you know, it's a really complex issue because because um, you know there are, are social issues. There are what 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 some people believe to be justice issues at stake, particularly when we look south of the line. Right there, yeah. there are, are some issues that are there, and and you know we feel like we need to speak to this and and, and everything else. And like I, I really believe in in sort of the the prophetic role within the church. Okay. Right. I, I really believe the church needs to have a a prophetic voice. It was. Um, Years ago, now Jack Layton um, said this um, in one in a faith today coming up to one election that that Ottawa needs to hear the prophetic voice of the faith community, and uh, which just was jaw dropping to me. Right. But uh, but I and I, I don't think he was playing politics. I think he was really serious that 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 the church has a place to be prophetic within the political community. So, wow. having said that, having said that, I also look back to the Old Testament. And I see that 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 prophetic word that went to kings always happened, you know, generally happened at least within the context of relationship. Right. So it wasn't like you know the, you know, even like Elijah and Ahab. Elijah would show up in his court and deliver the word. He wouldn't stand on a hill far away and rail, right. you know, and and expect it to get to him by word of mouth kind of a thing. And and, and so you know, I I have seen this. In in the Canadian context, um, you know, part of me says it's America and it's their business, right? Um, right. But but in, in the Canadian context, I have been astounded at the number of Christians in place. Let's call them Daniels and Esthers and Nehemiahs that surround the leader that God has already put in place right. to serve the leader, advise the leader, speak into the leader's life, right? And so, you know, part of me goes for me to rail on social media about whatever the issue might be, yeah. assumes that you know God has no one in place that God has has left it to me, and wow. and that's like you know who's kidding who, yeah, right? Yeah. So so that would be part of what I would say, and okay. and I. Um, you know, I, I, I'm watching with interest what's happening with America and and the current president, and um, you know, I know that that he has. You know, there are a number of evangelicals that have gathered around them and and around him and are hoping to be able to speak into his life, et cetera, et cetera. And and um, you know, I think that there are many rough edges. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> it. I think there are many many rough edges. But see, but again, it comes back to what we talked about earlier, right? And and, and again, I these are just things that I I have come to believe uh, very, very deeply. Number one, the Bible tells us God raises kings up and he loads them down. And so if it was God's will for someone else to be in the Oval Office, I believe this, that other person would be in the Oval Office. That doesn't mean that the person who's in the Oval Office is perfect. God uses perfect vessels. God God uses imperfect vessels. Yeah. Right. All the time. Yeah. Periodically. Right. And, uh, you know, 
I am not even godless mistake. ones we see throughout the scripture he uses. Well, right? for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. You know, I mean, you know, God uses all kinds of people. Right. And, you know, and I mean, like Cyrus, yeah. you know, Nebuchadnezzar, right. like whoever it might be, Caesar, you know, yeah. Caesar along the way. God used these leaders to advance his purposes, even though it made no sense at the time. Right. Right. And so I look at it and go, I am confident that God has a plan for America. Right. Right. I mean, you know, this current president could bring America to its knees in revival. Hmm. Right. Or bring its knees, bring it to its knees in repentance and ultimately to revival. This president could bring America to destruction. You know, and I'm not saying that he more than any other president has that that power. Any any former president had that power or ability. Right. right? Do you think we just we just have two short a sighted a view or we're we're focused on too narrow of issues and we can't see the long game in God's God's plan and his will and we're just focusing on the now and not willing to trust God for the future. Yes, I think that's part of it. I I um I said this in an email to somebody last night that that I believe the church has become more gullible hmm. and more fearful yeah. than it's ever been before. Right. Right. And and which I think is a sad commentary. We, we are, you know, I, I look at what comes through my Facebook feed and who's liking what and who's sharing what. And it's like, come yeah. on, really? Like, did you read that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you think, right? Like, hey, there's, there's fake news, too. You know, and, and fake news, right, is <laughs> everywhere, you know, which I think, I mean, you know, fake news is kind of a, it's a funny thing to me because, you know, you know, you have your truth and I have my truth. It's all yeah. relative. Right. But right. now we have fake news. And so. <laughs> <laughs> so there is truth somewhere, yeah, right? right? When, you know, but uh, you know, so but but I think we become we become more gullible. We believe everything we see, right? And and we become more fearful. And I think especially for leaders, that it's incumbent on us as leaders to model discernment, mm. to to model um, a. a a, um, I want to say temperance, but it's not really the word that I'm looking for, but just sort of a more temperate, calming right. approach right. to this whole thing. And so, you know, like, you know, what do you, I, I, somebody emailed me, said, you know, when, when the conservatives lost the election, so what happened? Well, you know what? I think what happened was God made another choice. Mm-hmm. God raised a king up. He lowered a king down. And, right. and uh, I know that that doesn't fit with kind of what's convenient to us. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I think that God's doing a pretty good job of raising kings up and lowering them down mm-hmm. and steering the hearts of kings like he steers the water course. So I'm trusting that right. and not freaking out about who's in the chair. Right. right. That's super yeah. helpful because, you know, I would personally identify as someone who is not great with politics. I'm not incredibly well informed, but I get people in my church that are looking to me for to say something, Right. So I don't think I can get up there and say, this is how you should think about this current <laughs> political issue, but I can get up there and point people to God. I can get up there and encourage people to trust him and believe in him and remind them what the word says and remind them where history is going, right? Not yeah. necessarily comment on exactly where it is all the time. Well, exactly, right? You know, I mean, I, I think one of the fun, one of the conversations they like to have at election time is, well, who do you think Jesus would vote for? <laughs> Right. You know, like, you know, who would you because, you know, there are things in the liberal party right in their ethos because you know, they're very inclusive and all kind of right. whosoever will make them. That's a value of the kingdom. Sure. Yeah. Right. That, so, you know, you know, the conservatives are more about, you know, stewardship mm-hmm. and family. At least they say they're about family. And so those are our values of the That's kingdom, right. yeah. you know. And and then the, the NDP was born in church basements and, 
and they're all about you know the poor and the oppressed and the right. weak. Those are values of the kingdom. Right. And then you have the greens, and they're all about you know being good stewards of the earth, and that's a value of the kingdom. Right. So you know where would Jesus vote? Well, I don't mean I think Jesus is going to vote for Jesus actually, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know so so we make these assumptions that that there is a there is a political ideology that has a corner on Christianity, right. and I just I just don't think it's true. Yeah, you can't you can't paint all Christians the same political color and nor should Um, we judge Christians for voting different than we do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Tim, this has been incredible and, and hopefully will help a lot of people like me who are leading and trying to figure out how to navigate church leadership and Christian leadership in interesting political times. And I'm sure there's going to be people that want to get in touch with you, learn more about leading influence. How can they find you? Uh, check out our website, uh, leadinginfluence.com. You can email me direct at tim at leadinginfluence.com. I'd love to hear from you. And you're a good social media follow. What's your, what's your handle on there? Um, <laughs> uh, I, my Twitter is just at Tim Schindel, yeah. and uh, Facebook is just my name as well. So That's fantastic. I, super, yeah. <laughs> tim, this has been awesome. Great to catch up with you. Great to hear more about what God's doing. And uh, we'll be praying for Leading Influence and uh, the expansion as you continue to grow across the country. Well, thanks, Dave. Blessings on you. Take care. Yeah, you too. All right. Hey, I hope you found that helpful, especially as you consider how to navigate political issues as a church leader. And hopefully you were inspired as well. I mean, you never know what God will do when you just make yourself available to serve those around you, to serve your community. You never know what kind of doors can be opened up. Hey, would you do us a favor? Please go to iTunes and subscribe and write a review. That helps iTunes, get this podcast out to other leaders. You can post links on social media to help get the word out as well. And if you have any feedback, please feel free to email us at info at leadforward.ca. Okay, thank you so much for being with us. I hope this has empowered you and served you as a leader. God bless you. you.